Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. Although, not today, because as I speak to you, it is 9.05am, and despite having so much cause for celebration, my guest has quite rightly declined the opportunity to drink at breakfast. You'll understand why when I tell you that in September, alongside Vic Hope, he took over the prestigious Radio 1 drive time slot from Nick Grimshaw. A dream come true for a devoted radio head who'd worked his way up from regional radio to one of the biggest shows in the business. Last year, he was the man we were all rooting for as he faced his fears, of which there were many, on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, where he came runner-up after winning over the public who'd put him up for trials every day for a week, approaching each and every one with a real fighting spirit. A proud northerner, he was raised primarily in Burnley in a military family who moved around a lot, living on barracks, and juxtaposes his northerness on his podcast, Help I Sexted My Boss, with co-host and best friend William Hansen, an etiquette expert, as they help people navigate modern everyday problems. His really is a story of hard work paying off, so I can't wait to hear more about how he got there. Let's dial him up. It's Jordan North. Morning. Good morning. Oh, what a lovely introduction. Thank you. Yours, Thank yours you. is a tale of hard work, Jordan. And in a world where we are force-fed sort of fast food celebrities, like from reality shows, I know you've done a reality show, but you wouldn't have got on the reality show had you not done the graft and the years of hard work. 
Yeah, um, it's weird because a lot. I think people do think it's all overnight and it's over the past year. But I've been, you know, I've been doing radio since I was 15, 16. And there was, you know, there was a couple of times, especially during the pandemic, where I nearly moved back up north. Did you? Um, because, yeah, yeah. Um, not that it doesn't seem that long ago. And uh, it was only last summer, so the summer of 2020, I was I was so skinned and my mum and dad moved out to Spain. They had to, like, pay for my flight out to go and see them. I was just about clearing rent because, basically... And I'm not woe is me because I know so many people were in a lot worse situations. But I I'd lost all my work. I used to cover at Radio One, and I was only only on on Sunday mornings. So I used to do my Sunday morning show, and then I'd have loads of other work around it, doing bits here and there, DJ gigs at universities and stuff. So yeah, it's compared to like the summer 2020 where I lost all work, and then now where I'm so busy, I'm like oh. Well, what am I going to do? I need a day off. Overwhelmed, yeah. yeah. But also, yeah, I mean, um, the jungle came along with literally 48 hours notice. I mean, they, they'd seen you to go into the jungle and had sort of said to you, am I right? Thanks ever so much. Not this year, but we'll definitely bear you in mind. And then somebody dropped out, I'm, a guess, I'm guessing. That is pretty much what they said. It's like not getting a job interview. And do you know what? At the time <laughs> I thought, oh, uh, I thought that's fine. I, you know. I just then had gone on to full weekends at Radio 1. So I'd gone from Sundays yeah. to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because Maya Jamma left the station, so I took over a slot at weekends. And I thought, I've got that show to concentrate on. I need to make that my own. Um, and I was just, I, I, I wasn't bothered. I was like, oh, that's fine. Totally fine. And then it's so weird, and I know it, it sounds like it's made up, but I was walking to the co-op, and it just came <laughs> into my head. and It just came into my head, and I thought, I reckon you're going to end up doing this, even though they said no. And I had like a, what's the word, a premonition? A premonition. It's a bit like premonition. Yeah, maybe you were subconsciously manifesting. That's it. That's probably it. So then I got a call the next day. My agent rung me at seven o'clock in the morning, and he never rings at that time. And he was like, "They've asked you to do it, and you've got you've got to ring me back in the next hour." So I think sometimes I that's best, I... right? You just because there's yeah. no time to pontificate. You've just got to go yay or nay. What did your mum say? Exactly. I rung my mum and I said to my mum, "I'm not going to do it." And she said, "Fine, all right." And then she rung me back and she was like, "She rung me back about 20 minutes later and she said, you've got to do it. You've got." She said, "I'll be so disappointed and upset with you if you don't do it." So the only reason I did it was because of my mum. Well, that's not true. I, I've, you know, I've watched the show for years. So I rung my agent back up. I said, "Right, I'm going to do it." I put the phone down before I changed my mind and I went for a run. I used, and I usually only run for about 40, 45 minutes. I went for a run for an hour and a half. <laughs> and then and then shit hit the fan from there on. I had to go and do a medical. I had to go and speak to a psychiatrist. It, there's so many different things you got to do. And they did it over a week or two weeks. I did it over two days. Wow. I remember going to the... I remember the medical was the last thing I did. And I was running round... Um, and ITV, to be fair to them, would just give me a give me a car and a driver for two days because I had to be at so many places. So <laughs> I just had this driver. I was like, "What is this?" As a driver waiting outside my house. But you know what? And... To go from a year previously to thinking I can't pay my rent, I'm going to have to move home to this. Mm. It's it's like it's like some sort of I don't know movie that you'd rent on Sky Cinema. <laughs> Isn't it? Mean? And I went to the medical and they take your blood pressure and they do it, they check for everything. And she said, how old are you? And at the time I was 30, she was like, 
your blood pressure is really high. Are you stressed? I was like, yes, I'm stressed. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. And and I've been running around. I just poured my heart out. And I've been running around for two days. I've got to be in Wales in the next 24 hours. I said, I don't even know if work, I don't even know if Radio 1 are going to sign it off. I was like, I am stressed. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, look, what extraordinary things have happened since then. Talk to me about finding out how you'd got the drive time slot because as we're going to get into, well, as we talk more, I really want to explore how you've got to where you are because you are a proper grafter. So by the time you get to the drive time slot at Radio 1, I mean, that's that is that that's like reaching the peak of Everest for a, a radio head like you. Where were yeah. you? How did you find out? And what did you, how did you respond? So uh, my boss called me in the summer and it was about june maybe july and he said somebody wants to leave the station and he said this is strictly confidential somebody wants to leave the station and uh it's daytime and i was like okay and he's like we want you to do it um and i thought it was scott mills i thought oh scott wants to leave because he he even though, and I'll say this now, even though he's still the best sounding on the station, he's been there 20 years. Yeah. Go and listen to him tonight, tomorrow, next week, last week. Go and listen to him. His show is still the best on the station. So I thought, oh, he's been there 20 years. He wants to leave. No, he doesn't. Scott will go when he, like, whenever he wants to go. And then my boss said, uh, but because it's daytime, I really think we should up it a bit. And I think you should do it as a double header. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then... The boss said, I think you'll be really good with Vic. And I knew Vic because we've, you know, it's a small industry. We got in the studio and did a, what they call a pilot, so a pretend show. And uh, I rung the boss as soon as we come out. I was like, yeah, this this is what I want to do. I think I think she's great. I just hope she likes me. And then we, we went and did some pilots in Salford because Vic was working, filming something out there. So we, me and the producer, went to do some pilots over there at night. We were doing pilots at like... 11 o'clock at night um, and it felt really good it felt like it was on this career, creative away trip in Salford uh, like a Duke then, of Edinburgh for radio yes <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it and then we got told that um, it was Grimmy that wanted to leave and that was a big shock but I totally get why you know he'd been there 14 years it's it's one of the biggest networks in the world and it's the second biggest show on the network after breakfast and your name's, your name's above the door with Vic. That is like, that's got to be the magic carpet ride you always dreamed of. Yeah, it is. And um, and I still walk in and have to pinch myself, you know, and that's not, and I'm not just saying that. And I was speaking to Clara Ampho about this recently um, and she said the same. She was like, I think the day you start going in there and thinking, I'm on Radio 1, I deserve this. Yeah is the day that you're doing something wrong. Like, I do feel so grateful. And when I get pictures taken with the other DJs, I'm like, I'm mates with these now, and I grew up listening to them. Yeah, no, that's mad, up, isn't it? It's mad. I grew up listening to Scott Mills. Even Greg, because Greg started on Radio 1 at, like, 18. No, 2021 20, he was when he started. So, yeah, it's, it's a great place to work as well. Well, that takes me nicely to my first question, because on this show I ask three thought-provoking questions, and an attempt to really get to know you better. So can you retrace your steps and identify the jobs, the breaks, the people and the opportunities 
that have put you at the Radio 1 Drive Time show? Yeah, um, first of all, it has got to be my media studies teacher, Miss Wilson. She was my English teacher at school. So she said to me in year nine, I'm doing a media studies GCSE. It's brand new. So this was like 2004 or five. It's brand new course. And I think you'll be really good at it. So I did this media studies course and loved it. Um, and then when I left school, I know, it, I know it sounds something like Billy Elliot, but when I left school, I lads like me didn't go into the radio or the media industry. We all got trades. And it was like, if you're not that academic, you don't, you go to college, but if not, you get a trade. So I was learning to be a bricklayer. And I, for the first six months of leaving school, uh, when I did my GCSEs, I, I, was, I was working for a builder and um, I got sacked because I was rubbish. So my mum was getting on at me because I was just lying about the house watching the OC, <laughs> daytime TV. And my mum uh, made me go to a college open day at Preston College. It was like a local open day. And I just went to shut my mum up and I was really sullen and sulky. And the, the woman, the careers advisor, said to me, oh, what GCSEs did you enjoy doing? Because I didn't get bad GCSEs. I said, oh, I really enjoyed media studies. And she said, oh, there's a media studies course here. You should maybe go. And I was like two weeks, it already started two weeks later. So I went on the Monday to try it just to shut my mum up. And I've not looked back. And I've, I've not looked back and I've, I've been there ever since. And I've been, I did this GCSE media studies course at, at college when I was 16. And I just knew then that this is what I want to do. I want to work in this industry. And then from there, I went to university and did student radio. Yeah, which and is so was... important, right? That is so important. Oh, yeah. Because it's a brilliant nursery slope in which to learn and, f and fail and pick yourself up yeah. and dust yourself off. And just to be able to learn without loads of people listening in is, is massive. And it was while you were at uni that you applied, you entered a competition, didn't you? Yeah, I entered a competition in my third year called the Hits Radio Competition. And it was basically to get four shows on national Hits Radio, uh, which were pre-recorded, but it was fine. And I won that. And then... You say uh, that really I casually, was... Jordan, right? That would have been, you know, inundated with entries. And you go, and I won that. That in itself, yeah. right? You know, to, to be the one voice that stands out above all others is pretty massive. Well, that's the thing. I won it. It was 2011, I remember. And I thought, oh, great. So I'd recorded my four shows for the hits. And then Pete, who came runner-up, um, ended up getting a show permanently from it because he smashed it and sounded a lot better. No. So, yeah, and that was my first setback in radio. So, that hold on. You won, but the runner-up actually ended up with a big won, prize. Won. Yeah, so we... Because... Pete was so good, and Pete should probably have won. Being being honest, and he still works in radio now. We're still. What's his good name? Friends. Pete what? Pete Pete Allison. So he used to work at Capital, and he works at uh, BBC Radio Leeds now, or Yorkshire. And he, yeah, I remember he came runner up, and then he got a permanent show from it. And they said to me, uh, we'll, "We'll bear you in mind." So that was that was my first setback in radio. And then uh, I went, I ended up moving back home, moved back into my mum and dad's box room. And I was working uh, as a pot washer and, uh, for the local pub 
Finney. Um, and I used to work there, and the chef used to send me for salmon legs. <laughs> taught, and pe- Honestly, I got sent in the back for salmon legs. My brother used to get old. sent for a long wait. <laughs> long wait. Oh, I've been sent for them all. Tart when and I paint. Built, tart and paint, sky oaks. When, um, when, I, when I worked on building site, I spent an hour and a half looking for a ladder for skirting board. <laughs> <laughs> going around this site going, Dave, have you seen this ladder for skirting board? This, it's going, oh, Pete's got it. Pete, Dave said you've got this ladder for skirting And I went around this... It's so cool. For a night, <laughs> for about an hour and a half. See, I worked there, and then, um, tell me if I'm being boring. And no, 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 not at all. The one, the one, then, that, the one that jumped out to me was Black Blackpool Pleasure Beach in House yeah. Radio, which I think is a brilliant place to go and and, oh, and learn. I owed I owed them a lot, and it was called. So the first year I worked for them was called Kit Kat Radio. Yeah. And then the second summer I went back to work for them was called Holiday Rock FM. And it was more of a tannoy across Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Than a radio and station. I, <laughs> I love it. Pretty much, more of a megaphone than a network. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much was. But I learnt my trade there and I'll never forget, and I've told this story a million times, and I'll never forget the name as long as I shall live. So people used to come in and write shout outs on a piece of paper and give it to you. And this woman come in, she had a really strong Manchester accent, she was smoking a fag and she went, Will you give our Ebony Louise a shout out? I went, yeah, sure. Is it a birthday? I probably had some DJ voice then. So I went, yeah, sure. Is it her birthday? <laughs> she went, no, no, we've lost her. I was like, oh, <laughs> you need to you need to go to security. And this woman now here fagging around. I was like, you really need to go to security. <laughs> and it was very much, I'll never forget the name, Ebony Louise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. So I went, I worked there, and then my biggest break was uh, Five Live moved to Salford, to the BBC, and I am a big, big, like, flag flyer, whatever the word is. I'm too early for me to... Yes, yes. Head into gear. A torchbearer, a a flag flyer will do, yes. I, I really do support the BBC Channel 4, all broadcasting, not just coming from London, because if it wasn't for the BBC moving to Salford, I don't know where I'd be. So they just moved to Salford and they were looking for phone answerers and actually like runners and people to help people get used to the area. And that was my first job. I had, I got four days a week, three or four days a week answering the phones for all the radio shows on Five Live. And that was weird. Which again, right, is it, if for where you are now, to have done that, to have manned the phones, to have had that direct line with the listener, how important is that in terms of how it informs the broadcaster you are today? Massive. Yeah, oh, oh, I learned all sorts. And then I learned, and because I was so eager and wanted to just learn everything about the radio industry, I used to stay behind and then offer to help out on writing scripts and... I'd just be there. I'd honestly, I'd be there some days, 12, 14 hours, just trying to soak up all this information about how to be a good broadcaster. And then I actually got promoted from a phone answerer to a researcher. And I was like 22, 23, and I worked. And this is how things come back around. I worked on Richard Bacon's afternoon show, writing scripts and doing research for his items and, his, and different features that he'd done on the programmes. And in the morning, I worked on Victoria Derbyshire's show. Wow. Who you ended so, up in the jungle comes, with. And we ended up in the jungle with her. So my main job in the morning, I used to get in at half eight. 
Vic was on at 10 o'clock. Um, I'd make sure all the callers were ready and lined up. I'd brief up the phone answers because I was now one step above him. So I'd be like, this is what we're looking for on the show today. Um, I'd make sure Vic's taxis were all booked and everything like that. And all the travel was in. Uh, and then I'd always make sure she had a cup of tea for when she got into the studio. And then I'd make her one at the 11 o'clock break and the 12 o'clock break. And then just came around. To be honest, of all the shows I worked on, I learned from Vic's show the most. Because that lady I have got a lot of time for, she is precise. She does a research. She um, really does a prep for guests. And I'm the same now. I'm, she, she doesn't like take medio mediocre what's the word <laughs> and i'm just going yeah. to learning a load there she is so, quite yeah. incredible do you know what she that's a very old school approach one i'm a huge fan of research over prepare and they'll always yeah. be over prepared right because mm. you should never take f- for granted i think the fact that you've got um a microphone that's open to hundreds of thousands of ears right that's 100%. that's that's an honor so don't go on air with nothing to say so when you found out that you were both going to be in the jungle together, or the castle, how was that? I seen them at the top of the cliff, and I was like... <laughs> as you puked. <laughs> as I puked. And uh, I was like, oh my God, Vic! And she was like, what? And then I, I just remember saying, because I've not watched much of it back, I remember saying, I used to be a tea boy And then we were in the castle together, and it, it was... It was just mad, this lady that I really admired and looked up to and used to work for. And she remembered um, you, obviously, you know. Yeah, yeah, she remembered me because we, we kept in touch. We kept in touch. And then about 20 minutes later, I was sick. <laughs> and, as, and as my agent said, you being sick on that cliff is the best thing ever. <laughs> it, was. Like, oh, yeah. it literally <laughs> propelled you to the next level of your career. So Vic Darvish, <laughs> Vic Darvish has been a huge influence um, what about when you got to Radio 1? Because there was a year between you getting your first shift, which was 4am in, in what we call Twixmas, the week between Christmas and New Year. Yeah. And then a whole year passes before they book you for the same slot again. Yeah. I, I mean, that that is, um, that's a high analogue right there, yeah? Yeah. And again, it started off, I'll just briefly say, I, worked, I got a job at Capital. I started piloting for them, Capital Manchester, yeah. and I did weekends for them. Which is a huge network, months. by the way, isn't it? Yeah, Massive. and I learned a lot there. But it, it, let's just say it wasn't quite right for me, and I got sacked after six months. Um, did you? Capital. Why? Because what they do, they do really well. And like, if you listen to Capital, it sounds ace, it sounds really slick, the production's non-stop, but my style didn't really fit it. Oh God, I sound like such a, my style didn't really fit it. So, and I, and I knew the sort of, I wanted to do personality-led radio. I knew the sort, I didn't want to do crunch and rolls, which is just, that was, this is, it's yeah. 20 past four. Is that what you call it? Crunch and rolls, that's brilliant. Crunch and rolls, I just yeah, call so it, that like, was, this is, is the news, that was it's the weather. Basically, and that's no disrespect to anyone no. that does that type of radio, because A, it's a real skill, and B, it, it's, it's hard to do. It's I think it's harder to do than just chatting. So I got sacked at Capital. I'll put it bluntly. I got sacked. And then I was happy at Five Live, just being a researcher, working on Vic's show and Richard Bacon's. And I was like, all right, maybe a career in front of the mic isn't for me, but look at this. I'm making radio and I thought I can work my way up here at, at, at the BBC at Five Live. And then a friend said to me, um, Rock FM are looking for a weekend breakfast DJ. The guys go in and I was like, no, I said, it's not for me. I said, 
I didn't want to be heartbroken again. And I grew up listening to Rock FM. It was a station in Preston, Lancashire. And um, anyway, I went to this meeting and then I started at weekends at Rock FM. And then I went on to do the drive time show and I left Capital. I left Radio 5 Live, so I was doing drive time at Rock FM. And then in my first six months, I sent Radio 1 a demo and they actually, a demo tape. And this was 2014. And they actually got back to me. And then I went in to do a pilot for them. And they said, like you said before, you can cover the Crimbo Limbo week. That 2014 going into 2015. So I did it at four o'clock in the morning. I've never been so nervous and terrified in all my life. Anyway, I did that week from, didn't hear back from a year. And thought, oh, well, no one can take that away from me. I was on Radio 1. Um, and when I'm propping up a bar in years to come, I can say to the grandkids, do you know what? I was on Radio 1 for a week. A year later, they asked me to cover the same show. So this was 2015 going into 16. And uh, I did, I thought, yeah, go on then. So I did it for a week. And then after that, a few weeks later, they asked if I could cover some weekend slots. So I had my drive time show on local radio and I was just pottering about covering as and when. The supply teacher is what you called yourself, wasn't it? The yeah, Radio the supply One teacher. supply teacher. Because I just kept popping up. Oh, and I blagged it as well, Kate. I was like covering the dance anthem show. I didn't know anything <laughs> about dance music at the time. They were like, do you want to cut? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm massively into dance music. And I'm, do you know what? To be fair, I am now. Over the past few years, I've really got into it. But um, then, no. It's just into my bands and my indie music. Rock FM. And I just, yeah. <laughs> I just blagged it. That's well, pretty much it. And you just got to find your feet. T- literally, or oh, tap dance if you can't. Just keep tap dancing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Listen, you know what? It makes listening to you all the more rewarding when you understand the graph that's gone into getting there. So congratulations. It's, um, it's, oh. it's great to see hard work pay off. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, my next question you sits still very much in the world of radio um you're from a military family which meant that you moved around an awful lot i think you went to nine 
different schools in total. Yeah. So a very transient life. And it was that that made you fall in love with radio because every time you moved to a new area, you would l use local radio as a way to learn about the place and the people that lived there. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if you could share with us um, some of the shortcuts, the, the local lessons, the quick wins that regional radio taught you as a listener as you move from place to place. Yeah, I, th I think regional radio is like really important, local radio. And sadly, there's not that much of it mm. anymore. And you used to be able to, and you still can to an extent, you used to be able to tune into a local radio station and instantly you just got a reflection of the area. And it was all based around the area. And I remember listening, when I first moved to North Yorkshire, I remember listening to what was called Galaxy mm. and Hursty was on. And they were brilliant, really good, really self-deprecating, really took the mick. And then I remember that was like the Yorkshire sense of humour, very similar to the Northern sense of humour. Um, and when I moved to the University of Sunderland, I used to listen to Galaxy there as well. And it was Steve and Karen. And they really helped give you a reflection of the North East. It was, it's, you know, a really hard working area. The people are so lovely and down to earth and not as scared to take the mick out of themselves and other people. And they just want a laugh and they work hard and play hard. And I know that sounds weird, but you just got that sense from local radio. And I, I remember listening to the local radio in Northern Ireland as well. Mm. And like these people with weird Irish accents when I was eight years old. And you just got a massive feel for the area. And when we first, and I can remember all the breakfast shows on these stations. When I first moved to Lancashire, we moved to Blackpool. There was an army barracks called Wheaton Barracks. And I remember listening to the Rock FM breakfast show and they were called the bird and the bee at breakfast. I mean, you won't get away with calling each other that. And it was um, Danny Danny and Jude, and I'm still in touch with Danny now. And again, you just used to listen to him on the way into school or in the morning. And you got a feel for what this area was about. and and like they used to give away prizes competitions and they'd always have callers on and really funny callers and it just it was my first way of getting to know the area really i thought it was really um astute of you to acknowledge that even as a as a young boy at eight you know moving to northern ireland where you were li where you were living there your your dad was so your dad serves in the or served in the queen's lancashire Reg regiment is that right yeah and your brother yeah. Ryan has uh, is a, is a para. You've got another brother. Yeah, he's in the parachute. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I think there's like how many nine people in your family that are all in the armed services. It was just yeah. So my uncle was in as well. My dad's brothers. My um, dad's sister was married to a soldier. Like the whole family. My cousins are in now. My younger brother was in for a few years. He's not anymore. Um, so we just yeah. Like my dad said though. I knew you weren't going to join the army when I picked you up from after school drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of four, so his strike rate's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but what was it like? I mean, moving, for example, to, to Northern Ireland in the midst of the troubles where you'd get on the school bus and there'd be armed guards to get you to and from school safely. Mm. Do you know what? At the time, you didn't think anything of it because it was just your life. It was just the norm. As I got older um, and I moved high school, it was the last time I moved and I was about 13, 14, and I was like, I hate this. I am sick of moving. 
and sick of changing schools. Um, at first, it was easy because you'd move within your regiment. We were all really close-knit. So you'd move somewhere, and then three months later, your friend would be there that you grew up with because his dad was in the army with your dad. But then a few years after that, my dad started getting posted to different areas of the UK, and he was out in Sierra Leone. But I do remember Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland's the first time I remember feeling really sad and emotional because, uh, and I remember we had quite a lot of time off school because there was a bomb in Omar in 98 and some people might remember it. It was one of, they said it was one of the worst bombs of the Troubles. Yeah, it was huge, wasn't it? I think 29 people were killed. Yeah, I think I mean, it was it, it, like that. And that was, it was a summer's day. It's like it was the, end of the, the end of the 90s, wasn't it? Mm, 98. 98, and yeah. It was August, and we were going to go into the town centre that day. But and I've told this story a million times. No, we we were one of four boys. It was red hot, height of the summer holidays, and we were on the way into town. And my mum said, "Oh, these lot are playing up. We can't take them into town like this. We were meant to go in to book an holiday." So my mum said, "We'll just go for a walk instead." And there was a local walking picnic area called Gorting Glen, I think it was called. So we went for a walk instead, and we heard the bomb go off, and. I just remember my dad putting us in the car because he knew straight away it was a bomb, going back to the barracks, and I didn't see him for two or three days. And we actually drove past the town centre. And it's like somewhat off a film. It's like it was in slow motion. And I remember my dad saying, don't look out the windows, don't look out the windows. And my mum trying to distract us, and obviously being eight years old, we looked out the windows and just seeing this absolute devastation. And it was awful. And the parents weren't really telling us what was happening. And, yeah, it was a... That was like a tricky time. And I remember as well, I still remember to this day, there was miscommunication from the phone call. Oh, I can't even remember. I'm probably going to say it wrong, so forgive me if everybody, anybody's listening that's been affected by the Omar bomb, but they moved them down to the courthouse and that's where the actual bomb was and that's why it killed so many people. It was awful. Yeah. So even at eight, you could comprehend the travesty and the tragedy of this event. Yeah, and I still remember, I just remember at the time feeling really sad for like two weeks mm. and going back to school and just everyone at school, it had literally every, someone, had, it was almost only a small town in Northern Ireland mm. and it had affected everybody. Yeah, it was really weird. When 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 your family are posted abroad, it's because the regiment's being posted abroad, for example. Yes. Or, so wherever you go, you go as a clan. Yeah, and I still get stopped now. I was in Preston the other week. And I was going to get the train and someone went, oh, Graham North, son. I was like, yeah. And he was in the army with my dad for years. Uh, he went, used to live across the road from me. And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, and then I told my dad and my dad was like, oh, yeah, Stacks, good lad, yeah. He were in the army. So <laughs> we were really close in it. And I remember as well, um, don't get me, like this was, this was the 90s, the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s when my dad was in. There was quite a big drinking culture as well. So every Sunday, we used to go to the mess. So it was even a corporate mess. mess. Yeah, the mess is like, mess. It's like an on-site working men's club, yeah? That is the best. I'm going to use that. I always say it's just a pub for the army, but it's a working men's club. It's a working men's club. And the mess, is, certainly during the war, was, was what everyone kind of lived for. You wanted to get down the mess yeah. and get a few beers in um, because oh, it, was, it, was, it was the only time you could flick the off switch. It was the same in, in, so there used to be like mess dues every once a month on a Friday and my dad would get all in his best army gear and he'd have his medals on and adults, like kids weren't allowed to come to that. And then 
they used to do what they called once a month a Sunday mess, and you'd still have to be dressed up. My dad would be dressed up in his like this. He used to wear this red red waistcoat and a dicky bow and his medals and stuff. Um, and that was just they'd have bouncy castles and swimming. They used to like put up these paddling pools, and basically have all the adults would just get drunk and we'd run around. And I always loved used to go in the mess. Used to love it. Get excited get about those chips. days. Yeah, yeah, nice. And we just we were close knit. We knew everyone. But everyone knew everyone. So in some ways, you you knew everyone, but equally, you'd move to a new area and know no one. So you'd use the radio as a way to tune in to, to where you were in the community in which you're now living. Do you think it's enhanced your um, abilities to be a great broadcaster, that, that, that constantly moving around and having to make fast friends wherever you go? Yeah, do you know, I, I, it's only recently when I got asked the same question and I definitely think it has. I didn't know at the time. But moving around a lot and moving schools, it's definitely helped me be more outgoing and, and confident when speaking to people. So, yeah, I, I, I think those skills I've learned when I was younger, moving schools, moving houses, moving to different areas, um, it's definitely helped me when I'm on the radio and talking to millions of people. And I wouldn't have never have thought that. But yeah, it must have done. What are the military ways have sort of rubbed off on you? What are what are the what's the hangover of living in such a, a military family? I am such a neat freak. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm currently speaking to you. My bed's not made and it's doing me head in. So I am super tidy because my dad was, and I, and I know it sounds like something from the fifties, but my mum was a housewife. So and a lot of the army wives were. A lot of them didn't work, and the houses didn't know this at the time because it was just normal, but the houses were spotless. The, yeah. the, the ladies were really proud and kept the house spotless. So, and um, I'm, nev- I, I'm never late. And if I am late, I hate it. I hate being late. People are fine if they're 10 minutes late. And I'm, but I, I'm never late. And don't ever keep me dad waiting. Remember, <laughs> I, used to, I used to pick me dad up. I'd be like, I'll be there for 10. And if you were there for 20 past 10, he'd be like, 20 minutes! What time do you call this? And I'm the, I'm the same. So I'm, I'm super tidy and hate being late. Very punctual. Hate being late. That's good. Yeah. Okay, my final question to you. It's about sofa surfing. Mm. Without sofa surfing, there's every chance that you wouldn't be where you are right now. You, um, you've, you've spoken in the past about when you started out, you'd have to come back and forth to London, hugely expensive, trains aren't cheap, accommodation's not cheap. So you would just crash wherever some kind soul would put you up. And now you offer up your own sofa to young people coming to London as a kind of way of paying it forward. So I wondered, can you tell me about some of the sofas you've slept on and some of the people that you've had crashing out on your own? So I always say I've got... There's two people mainly, uh, Chris North, my first agent, he used to let me crash on his sofa when I come down. He'd like put me up in his flat whenever I had, because like Radio One had asked you to cover on a Sunday morning, but there's no trains on a Sunday morning, so you have to go up on the Saturday night. So, but then you can't really afford a hotel because hotels in London are really expensive. Um, Even the cheap ones are really expensive. Even the cheap ones. And by the time you paid for your train, and a hotel room, you weren't. You'd probably be losing out on money. Yeah, you'd be down. You'd probably be, be costing you more money. So yeah. So just Chris... so people know, when you go on Radio uh, One, for example, unless you're doing some of the big chunky shows that you're doing now, 
the sexy the sexy slots, then actually the money is 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 nowhere near what people would think. No, and I earn I earn more money in commercial radio. Yeah. At, yeah. at the at, at the start, definitely. Yeah. So you sleep on Chris's sofa. Uh, George Godfrey, who's still a good friend of mine, he's also from Burnley. He's a radio presenter, and we were just destined to be friends. Um, and we get on really well. He he works for Radio X now, he's a really right. good broadcaster. So he used to let me stay in this tiny little office. It wasn't even a box room; it was a tiny office, and I used to sleep on like a fold-out, blow-up bed on there. Um, and then the other sofa you stay on. I don't know if I should say this, but say. You'd get a call being like, oh, we need you to cover the early breakfast show at four o'clock in the morning. And sometimes you get the call last minute. So um, I'd get the last train up at 10 o'clock at night. I'd get to Radio 1 for 12. So that means they had four hours to kill. And then I just used to go and sleep on the sofa in the Radio 1 live lounge. <laughs> <laughs> or or the playlist room. I'd take, a sleeping, I'd take a sleeping bag and get three, four hours sleep. I thought, I'm not paying for an hotel for a few hours. So I, it was, and, I, and and there's loads, and I remember security waking me up one night and shining a torch in my eyes. I was like, no, oh, no, I said, don't, I was like, please, I was like, please don't tell my boss, they're not, I'm not meant to be here, but I'm on air at four in the morning. So I used to go in little rooms and sleep in little rooms at Radio One. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's mad. It yeah. is mad. But you're right, because by the time you've got the train down, and then you've rolled a hotel, even like, you know, a cheapest chips hotel into the equation. You, you're doing the job for nothing. And, Pretty much. And also, if you're staying with somebody and you've got to be leaving the house at like 3am to get to mm. the radio station in time or 2.30, that's really inconvenient for the people that are kindly putting you up, right? Yeah. And it's not just that. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I really like my own space. Apparently, I did one of those online quizzes things i'm an introvert extrovert so i love people but i get my oh god can't you tell i've been living in london for a few years now <laughs> i get my oh my i get my energy <laughs> from time on my own so i used to always find it hard that you'd have to be on it and sit in people's living rooms and mm. like half the time i just wanted to be like i'm have my own Hello. space but so I that think, was quite hard. I think that's quite common in, in with broadcasters. You know, um, you know, we chat for a living. So I'm quite happy to sit like some sort of monk in the evening and say nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know people now, uh, like my producer, Louis, who's a good friend of mine. Like he has stuff planned every night. He's got football or he'll go and be doing this. And he's, got, he's going for like a wine tasting night. And I'm like, I just go and get my trackies on and watch telly. <laughs> Love having a free week. I literally just, I'll, I get home, people are like, oh, you're on Radio 1, you must be at parties all the time. I'm like, I'm in my trackies for half seven, watching Corrie. <laughs> it's a perfect night for me. I, I, I'm very, like, I, I know a lot of people say this, but I don't really go to many, like, show-busy events and stuff. And, like, openings of, big openings. And I know a lot of people do, and a lot of people like to be seen. And, like, media premiers, I'm like, Oh, you're joking, aren't you? I'm watching Happy Valley finals on tonight. Um, as as we've talked about all of this stuff, and we've sort of started to, I guess, unpack the years of of hard work that um, you've put in to get to where you are now. How does it feel to look back on on that and and to be sat where you are right now, not in bed, obviously, as you are, but to be sat on the second biggest show at Radio One? Yeah, it, it still doesn't seem. It still doesn't seem real and 
I, I had I still get imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I had a bit of a wobble only recently. Um, and I just get in my head that, oh, people are going to find you out soon. You're not that good at this. But then the other part of me is like, you've worked hard for this. You've worked really hard. And I think it's that old saying, isn't it? Um, that we've heard a million times before. It's always something that your auntie shares on Facebook. That meme, the hard, it's funny, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. So, and I do think, I do think hard work pays off. And yeah. but this was my passion. I, I wanted to learn and I wanted to be able to be good at doing radio. Yeah. And you also have to be able to learn and grow from the knockbacks. You have to be able to, um, you know, luck is great because it comes along some sometimes uh, and can really accelerate um, you getting to where you want to be. But quite often it has to be wrapped in hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think that. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I, it I, still I, seems surreal. And I don't think you will ever, I, well, I speak only from my own experience, I still feel like an imposter. And I hope that's yeah. a good thing because it doesn't mean that I'm sat thinking, 25 years, man and boy, I've been doing this. Obviously, I'm not a man or a boy, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and I don't think I know it all. I think technology is keeping us all on our toes and finding new ways of doing the same job. I've, I've, I've refused to be scared by it. I'm quite thrilled by, by the possibilities. Um, and the fact that I just yeah. don't know stuff, and I, you know, I'm quite happy to not know stuff because that means there's more to learn. Exactly. And Adele said recently when I watched that special on ITV, she said, "I think this is all a bit mad," and everyone laughed. And she was like, "No," it she is. said something along the lines of, "If I actually thought this was real and believed my own hype, it was something along the lines, then I think that wouldn't be right." And I was like, "Oh yeah." So she, because she admits that she gets imposter syndrome as well. I'm not comparing myself to Adele, by the way. Christ, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I walk into work and I'm like, "Oh, have you blank this, Jordan?" <laughs> well, continued success. It's lovely to see you sitting at the top of the pile, and um, and please pass my very best to Vic. And I, I wish will. You, I wish you nothing but the very best for 2022. Uh, because 2021, whilst was a complete washout for so many, was actually a golden moment for you. So congratulations. Thank you, Kate. Thank you very much. And it was lovely to talk to you. And thanks for having me on the podcast as well. Pleasure, pleasure. Um, You can, of course, catch Jordan every day uh, on Radio 1. Or if podcasts are your thing, don't forget he's got a cracker. Help, I sexted my boss, which is touring the UK, 16 shows on sale. No mucking about. Makes my two live shows in London look like a part-time venture. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, thank you so much to Jordan. I love talking to him. As always, the show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Gabriella Colasurdo for Yahoo UK. Our beats come courtesy, as always, from Andy Bell. We'll be back next week with more great chat. Until then, thanks for listening. Do rate and review us if you can be bothered. And if you can't, don't worry, I totally understand. Life's busy. I'll see you next Friday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 